The uh, <clears throat> serve, excuse me. The sermon scripture is Psalm one one through six. It's blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Thank you very much, Jason. If you didn't turn there while he was reading that, and you have your Bibles, I would invite you now to turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. As you're turning there, I have a a picture for you. Uh, Many of you know this week that I was able to go uh, on a trip for, on behalf of the church, and uh, so I took a picture there, I uh, wanted you to be able to see, so Joseph and I were able to go to Vancouver, and the guy there on the far left, uh, his name is Dan, Dan is a, a missionary, a full-time missionary that lives there in the Vancouver area, he's originally from Memphis, and uh, we're able to spend a couple of days with him and hear about the work that he's doing, and, uh, and so I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for praying for us as we travel. Thank you, church, for helping make it available uh, that we'd be able to go on that trip. And so if you would like to hear more details about that, you can come Wednesday night, and I'll share a little bit more about that then. This morning, as we look in Psalm chapter 1, it is a reminder that November is here every November I like to take the month and look at different psalms. Uh, we began years ago doing this. I called it Psalms of Thanksgiving, but um, we quickly moved to just psalms. And it's a great opportunity for us to, to look at these, these poems and these prayers and these songs that were written to help us to think about God, to worship Him uh, more deeply. And for me, it's become more and more meaningful and significant over the years uh, the psalms have just the richness that that are found in them and particularly for me the thought that that the psalms were compiled before the time of Jesus and as I think about Jesus uh, the time of Jesus on earth let's be clear about that Um, not before Jesus because he has always existed but Jesus in his incarnate state, living as a human on earth, reading these poems, praying these prayers, singing these songs in worship. And as I think about that, it's just, it's it's deeply meaningful for me. So today, as we look in Psalm 1, I think that Psalm 1 is two things. I think it's, it's both the first Psalm, obviously, but I think it's also an introduction to the Psalter, or all of the Psalms. And, and it, one of the main things that it does is to help us consider the importance of reading and studying and loving God's Word. Now, how fitting that the first Psalm in the book of Psalms would be a Psalm that tells us how important all the rest of the Psalms are, right? This idea that the more of these 
you read not just the Psalms, but Scripture, but the more Scripture that you read and the more you meditate on it and the more you love it, how much more deeply enriched your life is going to be. I think we also see in this psalm one other thing, and this is what the sermon is mainly going to be structured around, is a contrast between the life of Christians who know and follow God and the life of lost people who do not know and do not follow God. And so in that contrast, we see some great reminders to us of how good our life is because of God. And we also see how difficult the life of those who live apart from God, how hard that is. So look with me in Psalm 1. I'm going to begin by reading the first three verses that I think are speaking to us about the life of a Christian. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. All right, so for my note takers, let me give you the three things that I think we see here that Christians are. We see that Christians are favored, We see that Christians are fixed, and we see that Christians are firmly rooted and flourishing. And we're going to look at these individually in the text, but for those of you that want to write that, I want to give you a moment to go ahead and write those down. As you're finishing writing those, I'm going to go ahead and look back at Psalm 1, and we're really just going to read the first word as we begin to see that Christians are favored, because the psalm begins by saying, blessed. Right? Blessed is the man. This is, it's telling us what Christian people who know and love God's word, who follow God's word, who are, who are in tune with God, what is one way that you could describe them? And the psalmist decides to use this word, blessed. Now, some of you have a translation that may say happy. Happy is the man. Uh, Some other words similar to that may be fortunate. And I think that those those capture part of the idea, but they don't really capture the full meaning. And, And we use blessed in a different way a lot of times now. And so I don't think the word blessed, although it's a great translation, I don't think we fully grasp what it's saying when it says, blessed are people who don't live like sinful people, but who know God and follow His word. You know, did any of y'all ever, you meet somebody, right, you walked into church this morning, this may have happened. You walk up and you see somebody and you say, hey man, how are you? And somebody says, oh, I couldn't be better. Y'all ever hear people say that? I just couldn't be better, no matter what happened. Or, uh, some people say, you know, you say, how are you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Y'all ever hear people say things like that? Well, Well, here's the thing, I think that's kind of catching the connotation here of blessed. If, if somebody meant that I literally could not be better. I'm better than I deserve. My life is so rich and so full and so good. Like if that's what you truly believe about yourself, then you're catching the idea here of blessed. I tried to write a, a, a definition. I learned this in English class whenever I was, I don't know, 
young in grade school, you know, they would tell you to take something. Try and say that in your own words. And I found that to be a, a, a very enriching process through my life, uh, a good practice. So here's how I would define this word blessed in my own words. The recognition of being divinely favored by God, of living in the richness of his blessings, and of being privileged enough to receive his forgiveness and guidance. So you can see how happy doesn't really grasp all that I believe the psalmist is trying to say here. When he says, blessed is the man who doesn't live like a sinner, we'll see that in a moment, but who knows God's word and follows God, he's saying he's really blessed. He really is better than he deserves. He really, in many ways, could not be better. Many of you know the Beatitude from Matthew chapter 5. Eight statements. In those eight statements, they all begin with the word blessed. Now, for some reason, whenever we're reading Matthew chapter 5, we say blessed. And I don't know why we change it that way. But we always say blessed is. But right, we see all of these things that we see there. But it starts the same way. Blessed are the blank for they will blank. Right? And it's things like see God and be called the sons of God and inherit the earth. And the kingdom of God is theirs. Those things are helping us understand what it means to be blessed. Brothers and sisters, this is a rich word. And here's what I want to make sure that you don't miss about this rich, rich word. All Christians fall under the definition of blessed. We are, and that's why the first word is favored. We are favored by God. He has given us blessings through Jesus Christ, that we don't deserve. Forgiveness of sin, freedom from sin, reconciliation to Him, the promise of eternal life, and more than just those things to come, or just our standing with Him, but joy and contentment and happiness. All of these things, I believe, fall under this definition of blessed. This is who we are. Praise God, this is who we are. The second thing that we see here is that Christians are fixed. And I'm talking specifically of the idea of being fixed on God's word. We know our source of guidance and direction. We know our source of absolute truth, as opposed to lost people who don't. Look back at verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Right? We see a contrast within a contrast here. Verses 1 and 2 showing us sinful people. Who's guiding them? They're walking in the counsel of the wicked. They're following the way of the world. Right? And that shifts all the time. Right? If you try and keep up with What's popular and what's accepted? Like, do y'all just, you know how many times we've been told eggs are good for you and bad for you and good for you and bad for you? If you're trying to follow the advice of this world in anything, you're going to find yourself running to and fro, not knowing what's accepted, not knowing what's good, not knowing what you should desire and what you should not desire. That's not how things are for Christians. Praise God. Why? Because we have God's Law, God's instruction, God's word. And God's word 
does not change ever. It is the same and it will never change and it will never pass away. And this is good for us, especially for those of us who like steadiness. Right? We like to know that nobody's moving the goalposts on us. When God says you should desire this and you should do this and you should stay away from that, that will be the same and that will remain the same through all generations, brothers and sisters. We have a guiding document given to us, a living thing given to us by God. And we are given His Spirit so that we can understand it and so that we can apply it in our lives and so that we can live it out. And so we're fixed. We don't have to run to and fro trying to decide what is true and what's not true because we have the absolute truth of God's Word. But I want you to look there at verse 2 because it doesn't just say that we, right in this very academic way, know God's Word and follow it like it's this document and I have to do these things. No, it says that a blessed man, a Christian, has delight in the law of the Lord. So I want you to think about something for just a moment. A word that I think is similar good synonym for delight is, is something that's captivating. So I want you to think about, when I say that word, captivating, what's something that is captivating to you? The idea of captivating is something that is irresistibly appealing, right? It just, it draws your attention. And it makes you want to think on it or to be near it. As you think about something that's captivating for you, I'll tell you something that's captivating for me. Some of you know what I'm about to say. Amanda is absolutely captivating to me. And, and I say that and I mean that. All jokes aside, I, I truly mean so. Amanda, for me, right, I delight in her presence and in knowing her and in talking to her and sharing my life with her. And many of you have things like this. There's something in your life, there's somebody in your life that just them being in your life is enriching in a way that you cannot explain. And I believe that that's what the psalmist is saying here. The law of the Lord, God's word should be like for God's people. It should just be captivating to us. We should love it. Not read it out of some duty, not follow it like it's some rule book that we despise, but we follow because we don't want to get in trouble. But it's something that we enjoy immensely. I'd say it this way, that, that God's people, when it comes to God's word, they delight in it, they love it, they love hearing it, they love reading it, they love the beauty of it, they love the complexity of it, they love the simplicity of it. They love the truth of knowing that it's God's instruction and they love following and meditating on it as it guides their life. I truly believe that we're seeing that here, a reminder of how valuable a gift God's word is to us. An absolute truth that our lives can be anchored in. And we praise God for that. The other thing that we see here about Christians is that they are firmly rooted, which is very similar to fixed, but firmly rooted and flourishing. Look at verse 3. Speaking of this blessed man who delights in God's word, it says he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. 
and all that he does, he prospers. So I also have another picture uh, from this week. So here we see uh, an area, uh, there's water and you see the mountains in the background. But if you look closely, just there around the edge of the water, what do you notice? What are there around the edge of the water? Trees, right? So th those trees are there and, and those trees look a lot different than a lot of the trees that I see around here. One, because it rains there much more regularly than it has here. But two, because even if it weren't to rain, this body of water is not drying up. And so because of their proximity to the things that they need, these trees flourish. Right? You may notice a difference in the trees in your front yard and the trees planted along by Pier Creek, if you notice wherever you drive by, headed home for those of you that go that way. Why is there a difference there? Because those trees, again, their roots go down and they have access to the source of nutrients that they need. That being the stream bringing the nutrients through the water. And here's what the psalmist is saying in this beautiful figurative language. Christians are like a tree planted by streams of water. That even though times might be tough, even though some things in life might seem to be uh, a bit dry that we are still connected to the source of everything that we need. That source being God and the direction that we need from God coming through His Word, which are things that we always have. So, though life may be difficult in certain seasons, because we are connected to God, we still have peace and joy and hope and guidance because God is the living water. He is the stream that never runs dry. And because of our proximity to Him, we are firmly rooted next to Him, and so we will always have all of those things that we need in life. But not only are we firmly rooted, but because we're connected to God, we're flourishing. Right? The, last, the last line of verse 3 says, well, the last two lines, his leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Every situation and every season. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go right for you, right? This is not the prosperity gospel. It's not you'll never be sick. It's not every business you ever buy uh, will become a multi-billion dollar business. That's not the promise here. But the promise is in very, very similar way akin to the Beatitudes, right, this, this truth that although things in life may be difficult, the things that we really need, hope and love and peace, we'll always have those. God will always provide those for us. And the promise that in the end all the things are going to work out well, it never goes away. It's always there. So, because we are planted... And notice that word is very specific. We didn't just happen upon this. We are planted. God has us close to him so that we can have all the things that we need. Because of that, we have all that we need. God's spirit is in us. His word is guiding us and his people are surrounding us. And so like a tree next to the water, we never go without. So point one, I did give two points for the sermon. Uh, point one, life is good 
for God's people. Amen? That's like, that's good news. That's exciting. These are just reminders of that, right? That we are blessed, that God has shown us favor in so many ways. He's shown us grace in so many ways that we do not deserve. We are fixed on His Word, and we know that it's going to guide our life, and it's going to give us true meaning, and that we're going to be doing things that are eternally significant. And that's important to me, and I pray that that's important to you Right, and that, that we are firmly rooted and God is the source of everything that we need and that this allows us to flourish no matter what happens, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how the grass in the yard at the parsonage might look, no matter how dry it may be, the trees down next to the stream are doing well. And we are those trees in life, brothers and sisters. That's what this is telling us. We are truly blessed in every sense of the word. But there is a contrast in verses 4, 5, and 6. We see, we see the life of lost people. Look there. It says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, I'm about to tell you a couple of things that lost people are, but let me go ahead and tell you ahead of time. There's a very, very stark contrast. And it's very sobering what this psalm is showing us. It tells us this, that lost people are, number one, they're depleted and they are drifting. Lost people are depleted and lost people are drifting. And then the second thing is that lost people are driven away and destined for hell. We see that in this text. If you're writing that, you can continue to write. But I'm going to read verse 4 again that shows us this idea of depleted and drifting. Where it's a contrast where a Christian is like a tree and they're planted and they're fixed. And they have everything that they need because of the source of living water in God. It then says, the wicked are not so. How are they different? They are like chaff. That the wind dries away. Now, I don't know how much you know about chaff. Chaff was considered to be, and probably still considered to be, one of the most worthless things on all the earth. Chaff is uh, it's, it's like the covering, the husk outside of a grain seed. It's this dried up piece of a plant that, that all they did with chaff was beat the plant so the chaff would fall off and the wind would blow it away. They had no use for it. It was just... An annoyance. It's this dried up, right? There's this contrast. A tree planted, connected to water, flourishing. The leaves just colorful and doing well in every season. But in the contrast to that, it says a life, life of a lost person is just like this dried up husk on the outside of a seed of grain. And what does that mean, right? You say, okay, I can see the imagery, but what are you talking about? I think... I think, at least in my mind, what this looks like for lost people is this the idea that because they are not connected to a source of life in the way that we are connected to God, because their life is not filled with eternal and enduring hope, like there's no promise for lost people that everything is going to work out in the end. And because their life is not guided by an absolute truth like God's Word. They're just aimlessly 
going around trying to do whatever seems good at the moment, whether that's making money or being popular or having influence, or maybe it's sometimes something that seems good, helping a neighbor or something of that nature. But, but because they don't have the source of nutrients that you need to be flourishing in life, it's like they are just dried up. They are desperate and they are depleted. They're living a life with no eternal end goal. And those of you that have ever been in that state, you're just trying to make it day to day, week to week. You don't know what the next step looks like. You don't have any long-term goal. You know how, how defeating that is and how difficult that is. That you're just always striving for something, but you're never achieving anything. It's the life of lost people. And it is deeply depleting to live in that sort of way. And this idea of the chaff being driven away by the wind, I think much like a leaf blowing and landing in a, in a stream, and it just goes. Wherever the stream takes it, that's where it goes, right? It's not fixed, it's not set, it's not connected, it's just going wherever it goes. And that leads to a very empty and dark, and in some ways, at least for a lot of lost people that I've talked to, life that feels very meaningless, Brothers and sisters, our lost friends and family members need to hear the gospel so that they can learn about this source of great truth, absolute truth and hope and love and joy and peace and forgiveness that Jesus is. That's even highlighted more greatly by verses 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Which is the last thing that lost people are. They're driven away and they're destined for hell. They're driven out of God's presence, out of the congregation of the righteous. They will not be allowed to stay in the place of righteous people. They will not stay in heaven. They're driven out. And they go to hell the place not created for people, created for Satan and the demons, but where people will be if they die apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Or if he returns and they are here on this earth apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Many of them will desire the last word of this text. It says the way of the wicked will perish and they will desire that not just their way, but that they would perish because that idea is to, to vanish or to be killed. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you this, to just simply die and cease to exist would be greatly favorable over what lost people endure for all of eternity. And this is sobering and this is hard to think about. But God's word tells us over and over and over, it is true. Point two, life is hard. Death is harder for the lost. Why? Because they do not know God. And they do not follow the ways of God. They need to hear about him. They need to hear how they can know him and how they can be connected to him. You know, some of us do this thing, at least I do, and I imagine there are a few of you, where sometimes you threaten your kids, if you don't do so-and-so, this is the punishment. And sometimes that punishment seems like greatly exaggerated, right? If you don't do this, 
you won't get candy for a month. And then, of course, we often back down off of that great threat. Brothers and sisters, God will not back down from this. This is a promise of Scripture. This is not exaggeration. This is not hyperbole. This is the eternal state of those that die apart from faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot be okay with that. We cannot be okay with our friends and co-workers and family members not hearing the gospel. We must pray for them. We must share with them. In some ways, we need to plead with them to listen to the truth of God's word. What a joy it would be for them to no longer feel depleted and meaningless, but to live a life full of hope, knowing that they're doing something that's important and useful eternally. For them to be no longer reliant on themselves, drawing from a well that has nothing at the bottom, but to be able to be connected to God and His Word and His people and to draw strength from that. Brothers and sisters, we need to share the truth of Jesus' perfect life and atoning death and glorious resurrection and what a difference it makes in the life of those that believe it with our unbelieving friends. And if you're here today and that's you and you're an unbeliever, I, I do plead with you to listen to the call of God's Word and to the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you need to be saved from your sins so that this will not be you. But I also want to circle back around to one other thing before we end. And that's this idea of Christians and their love for God's Word. I read a quote by Charles Spurgeon this week. That was a great quote about this text. It's talking about the Christian, the blessed man. It says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. He is not under the law as a curse and condemnation, but he is in it. And he delights to be in it as his rule of life. He delights, moreover, to meditate in it, to read it by day and think upon it by night. The law of the Lord is the daily bread of the true believer. I believe, if you're all being honest, if we're all being honest, that some here would probably say, Zach, I don't really delight in God's word. I try to read it sometimes. I don't delight in it. I'm not captivated by it. And I would say if that's you, I'd first thank you for your willingness to be vulnerable in that and recognizing that truth. But brothers and sisters, this is what I'd implore you. You say, Brother Zach, I don't delight in God's word. What do I need to do? I would say you need to talk to God about it. Pray and ask God to give you a hunger for his word, or to show you why you don't delight in it. Maybe it's because you've been looking at it wrong. You've seen it as this rule book. Maybe it's because it was taught to you how it was taught to you as a kid. Maybe it's because of the way that you've tried to read it and you just don't understand it. And what you really need is some help, right? Some study aids and things that can help you understand it. I don't know, brothers and sisters, I'll tell you this. If there's a problem with you and God's word, there's no problem with God's word. So we can deduce from that where the problem comes from. If there's a problem between me and God's word, the problem is with me and my heart or my mind or my understanding. Because God's word is perfect. So pray and ask God to show you what, what you need to do differently to begin truly delighting in his word and ask him, ask him to help you to have that. Because brothers and sisters, it is so valuable. 
please don't discard it and just plan to hear a little bit about it on the Sundays that you make it here. But allow it to be your daily bread that reminds you of the love of God and the guidance he gives to our life. This morning we're going to have a time of response. I'm going to invite you to stand. And as you hear this, this text, maybe as a Christian you are reminded that, that what you need to do is spend some time praying and ask God to help you to love his word more. Maybe you're here and you're lost and what you need to do is to ask, ask what it means to have faith. Ask how you can become a believer. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to have a conversation about what that means and what that looks like. Or maybe you're here and you're a Christian and Psalm 1 has just reminded you of how good and amazing God is. We're about to sing a song, and this song is talking about uh, the eternal life that we have to come. And I want you to think on that today, to think about not just our abundant life now, but our eternal life to come, and how it's promised to us through our relationship with God. And if you're here today and you're just thankful for who He is and what He's done in your life, then maybe you just sing. Just sing out of joy in response to Him. But you do whatever the Lord's leading you to as Brother Shane and the praise team lead us in a hymn of response. There's a land that is fairer than day And by faith we can see it afar For the Father waits over a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore to our bountiful Father above we will offer our tribute of praise for the glorious gift of His love and the blessings that hallow our days You may be seated. Thank you, brother. That was a very good word this morning. Somehow I got voluntold that I was doing announcements this morning. Uh, so if you'll bear with me, sign up for the Advent devotionals is on the back table. There's a copy of each book on the back left table. So we'll order those books on November 20th. So go, be sure to go by and check that out. Our church-wide Thanksgiving meal will be Sunday, November 19th at 5.30. So mark your calendars 
and uh, dig through those recipe books, find your favorite dish, and uh, come join us on Sunday, November 19th for that. Our deacon election will be held on Sunday, November 12th, so be mindful of that, be in prayer about that. Also on November the 12th, that's next Sunday, our Operation Christmas Child boxes uh, need to be here. So help us hit our goal of 200 boxes and bring those back with you next week. The Senior Adult Progressive Supper will be Saturday, November 11th at 4 p.m. The church bus will be available to pick up and take those home who need it. So today is the deadline to sign up for that, and the sheets are in the back of the sanctuary. Prayers and Pastries is tomorrow at 10 a.m. at East Haven Baptist Church to celebrate the Baptist Women's Day of Prayer. Come join with other ladies from across the county to pray for the nations. Our fall festival is tonight at 5 in the gym. This is a church-wide event. We'll have a soup cook-off with winners chosen for the best soup and the best chili or non-soup in categories. There will also be a uh, cake walk of sorts, maybe a dessert walk. Bring your favorite cake or dessert for that. We'll also have games set up and enjoy fellowshipping with each other. If you bring a soup, please make sure you bring any fixings like crackers or chips or cheese or cornbread that go with it. And drinks. Bring drinks. We need people to bring drinks. All right. Do what? That is tonight. Yes. Tonight. Don't forget to sign up for the Wednesday night meal. Please do so by, what, tomorrow? If you don't sign up today, let us know. All right, food pantry bags are 3 p.m. this afternoon, and the food pantry and the food giveaway will be Wednesday at 7.45 in the morning. Pop said, please come help, if at all possible. They need help Wednesday morning at 7.45. I'm sure they won't turn you away this afternoon either. Also, uh, children's choir practice will be today from 4 to 5. That's for the upcoming Christmas program, correct? Yes, Miss Amanda. Better Together will be next Monday, you say? Next Monday at 6. Okay. We have any other announcements? It's quite a long list. If you don't mind, I'll.